0: Good morning. My name is Carolyn Udall. I serve with the microchurch teams here. So, if you're interested in learning more about being a part of a microchurch or leading a microchurch, come find me. I'd be glad to connect with you on that. Today's scripture reading is in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. I tell you the truth anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, they will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I will bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? One of the first priorities of followers of Jesus is this, is to know his voice. Jesus refers to his followers as sheep. And the one responsibility of the sheep is this, to know the shepherd's voice. This story is honestly a little bit humiliating uh, because I don't know if you've ever thought about sheep in a comparison to your life, but it's very humiliating. Sheep are disgusting. They're just not very smart. They're quite hideous to look at. Check, the, check out that. that. That's you and me. Please don't run out the door. Sheep have little to no means of defense. I, I mean, they, they just don't. They're, they're helpless. They require more than any other class of livestock. Sheep, you, me. Their wool gets too thick. In fact, they get something, it, 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 they get cast, which means they turn upside down. And depending on their shepherd, if they're not watching over them, they can die within a few hours depending on the weather or they can die within a few days. <laughs> That's you and me, sheep, yeah, awesome. What an honor it is to receive this comparison, right? I mean, just thank you, Lord. I, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm highly offended. Um, the reality of sheep is this. It depends purely upon their caretaker. If they are going to thrive, or if they are going to starve. I don't know about you, but I'm just not real inspired when I think about my life as a sheep's life. But here's the beauty of Jesus, is he refers to himself as the good shepherd. And here's what we know about the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How many of you are grateful for that this morning? He gives it all up for you and I. The Bible also tells us in Jeremiah this. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. We all have plans, but God also has plans for us. And they're plans for good, not for disaster. Plans to give you a future. Plans to give you a hope. That sounds really good, doesn't it? This is what we call God's script for our life. Unfortunately for you and I, the, cultural, the culture, a culture that we live in has a script for our lives. And it goes like this. You wake up, you go to kindergarten, maybe you graduate, maybe you go to kindergarten twice like I did, I don't know. New fact about Jim Moss. You probably didn't even know that, Matt, did you? I loved kindergarten so much, I just had to get a double, double take. You go to elementary school. You go to middle school. You go to high school. Maybe you say yes to university or college and spend a bunch of money and pay it off for the rest of your life. (laughs) Maybe you get married. You have a couple of kids. You work a bunch. (laughs) Many of you are like in that place right You're now, like when is it over? I, I don't know. You get some grandkids. Maybe you retire and you die. Very motivational, I know. You know, it's honestly similar to every Hallmark movie. I'm about to offend every woman in this place. Very predictable, very boring. I mean, you insert new characters and just repeat the script, right? Women, please stay with me this morning, all right? The problem for you and I is we simply just fall into the cultural script and say, I'm just going to live my life and we never really think about what could it be? What should it be? Could it be completely different? And we don't fully recognize the plan that God has for you and I. Instead of trusting God, we end up trying to control God, to make him do what we want him to do, guilty. Make him do what I want him to do. God, if this doesn't work out, I'm telling you, I'm just gonna swipe, swipe right, and I'm gonna move on down the road. I'm gonna look for what's next. We have these financial areas of our lives. We want things, and we get an ungodly debt to acquire them and get them. When we seek to seize our destinies, we actually sabotage, sabotage them. It's this idol of control. What comes to the surface when you get put under pressure? What comes to the surface? That's the stuff that God's been working with me on lately. What comes to the surface when Jim Moss gets put under pressure? It's the motivational trust structures of our heart. When things get hard, where do I go? Where does my sense of security go into to draw strength from? I go into my own capacity to control things. I do, I'm like, "I, I got this. I I got skills and talents, I can do this. And we have to stop trying to control the timing of our life. That is not our job, it's not. See, the desire to control things has eroded our sense of trust, completely. It's eroded our sense of trust. I I find myself not being able to trust the media anymore. Anybody there? Like, Like, how many of you turn on the media or you get on Twitter and you just think, They are telling me the whole truth. I mean, I'm just so thankful for that. Are are you with me? You know, we tell ourselves, I'll get it, I'm good. I I don't need you, I I don't need you, I don't need you. And and literally, we walk kinda like in this false humility. I, I got it. In fact, this week, Pastor Matt pulled me aside And he looked me in the eye and he said, Jim, you've got to let the staff help you on this project. Because I put this building on my back and I carried it. And it got too heavy. What he was really saying is this, is, uh, Jim, you've been a little spicy lately. (laughs) And we need a break. (laughs) Months ago, Andy and Natalie Esposito were sharing about their marriage mentors group. And Natalie was talking about one of her mentors, I believe it's her aunt, is that right, yeah. And so her aunt and Natalie were having a conversation, her aunt looks at Natalie and she says these two beautiful words. She says, cool it. And I was like, I love that. In fact, I'm gonna start using that with my boys because we had a whole bunch of boys, men in our family in a short amount of time, I don't recommend that. It's just chaos. But I love to look at them and say, cool it. And you know what? Every one of us in this room, we need people that love us and care deeply about us to look us, to look at us in the eyes and say, cool it. It's not your job, it's not your responsibility. You ever feel like you're making deals with God? We, we treat God often like we're in a contract with Him. Like, sign here, initial here. You see, the roots of my relationships are sometimes embarrassing enough to admit this. The roots of my relationships with God are sometimes what He does for me. I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit that, but it's true. You cannot seek to control people and love them well at the same time, it, it just doesn't exist. We can't seek to control each other and love each other well, it's, it's just impossible. You, you may be in the room thinking this morning, you're like, man, I, I thought I was going to be married by now. And you have this strong temptation to date someone who's not a follower of Jesus because you so badly want a companion. I mean, it's just this deep longing in your heart. You wake up every morning, you're like, I am super lonely. I, I don't enjoy this, God the clock, is on. Some of you in the room this morning truly think that God has gone silent on you. Like like you haven't heard from God in in months or years and you're like, what is going on? But could it be, could it be the last time that God asked you to do something, you simply didn't listen and follow through in obedience? Nobody's saying amen right now. I, I get it. The Bible tells us this in John 14. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. I believe this is the major reason we don't hear the voice of God. See, because God is so patient. And I could see him just standing there with his hands in his pocket, looking over you as the good shepherd does. And he's just waiting. He's just waiting. Months, years, decades, decades. Just waiting on you. This is why it's so important when God speaks to you that you write it down. Because it's not that God's not speaking to you. It's quite possibly that you're not listening and ultimately not obeying what he's asking and leading you to do. Silence. See, when we're in control, we lose trust in anything other than ourselves. We, we trust our own gifts, our own capacity, our own knowledge, our own skills, our own talents, our own will. That's where we go. The, the world says this, trust yourself. Follow your feelings and your intuition. Hustle, I loathe that word. Like, if there's any word I want to take out of Webster's, hustle. It's a load of, yeah, insert your adjective. More. Chase your dream. Take massive action. How many times have you seen those words on social media in regards to fulfilling your dream, chasing a dream? Don't follow that. That's not God's plan. Here's what God says. Trust me. Let me lead you. Slow. Slow. Here, here's my challenge for you. When, you. when you go home today, when you drive around Tulsa, just get in the slow lane. Let your anxiety build up a little bit. I, 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 truly, you know how I buy cars? It depends on how fast they go. I, I, I'm with you. But God calls us into a rhythm of rest, of trust, of slowing. He says this, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Build my kingdom, come away with me. All all I wanna do is just to be with you, that's it. You see, we find Jesus multiple times in scriptures continuing to draw away with the disciples. Why, because he was desperate to hear his father's voice. Desperate to hear his voice. How are you creating space to hear his voice? If we're not intentional about that, if we don't create margin in our life, it's not going to happen. How are you creating space Hear his voice? Do you know his voice enough to be able to recognize it when he's speaking to you? We don't trust his plan and his voice because we're going too fast to even consider it. Truly. What God wants for you is crystal clear plans for good, not disaster. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The majority of people that I meet with have a dream for their life. They want something more than they already have. They wanna be something more than they already are. But what would it look like if you and I truly laid it all down and we surrendered it fully to Jesus? You see, the Bible teaches us that we walk by faith, not by sight. It's completely different than what the world teaches us. Walk by sight, believe in yourself. You see, we can let God free our hands from the idols that we've been seeking so that we can trust him. How do we learn to let go? Jesus actually teaches teaches us that from the cross. The Bible tells us in Luke 23 that Jesus called out with a loud voice. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last breath. As he's dying, he says this, Father, it's you who I'm looking for, you alone, that's it. Jesus starts his life as a teenager and his entire orientation is towards his father. It's towards his father. He opens by doing his father's business and he closes by entrusting himself into his father's care. God, it's into your hands that I commit my whole life. I give you everything. You are my trusted son, you are my beloved father. Have you lost your fascination with Jesus? I have. Have you lost your fascination with Jesus? Surrender says yes with my whole heart, with my whole mind all the time. That's what surrender looks like. And Jesus is inviting you and I and teaching us to surrender with the whole of our lives, with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our stuff. See, God's commands are not designed to restrict life. We get into this upside-down thinking or happiness. It's designed to preserve life and happiness. God's commands are warning signs that when obeyed, life is safer, better, and just more productive. That's the plan that God has for you and I. A future, a hope, plans for good. You see, any moral command of God is there to keep us from hurting our families, our society, and ourselves. Do not murder. (laughs) That, That one's pretty obvious. Do not steal. Do not get drunk. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't have sex outside of marriage. Just like an activated minefield, every broken command of God triggers destruction in our lives. And it's our actions that do the destruction, not God. You see, God loves us and wants us to avoid the minefields of life and the destruction they bring. He's instructed us regarding the risk in life that will impact our families, our societies, and us. But here's the reality. There will always be people in your life that plant minefields. They're they're just there. You can't avoid them. They're at work. They're in your neighborhood. They're in your family. Hello. There will always be those that love the thrill of tiptoeing through the minefields. They're just like, I'm just gonna risk it all. I know what God says, but I, I kind of like this. I like danger. There will always be those who we will seek or cause destruction by encouraging people to enter the minefields, none, known, or unknown. But here's the reality. Only a fool would disregard a minefield sign. Like when you see it, you're just like, uh, no, I don't go there, you could die. No one would willingly pass through a minefield, especially when there's a warning sign of its existence. Yet there are billions of us who disregard the Bible's warnings, which are designed to help us avoid the minefields in life. I try my best to bring these questions before the Lord. It's this, it's super simple, yet incredibly challenging and difficult to live out. The first one is this, is there something I need to trust you for? Is there something I need to trust you for? And and the second one is is equally difficult. Is there a step of obedience that I'm unwilling to take? You want to know how to reconnect to the voice of God? Sit with that question. Hey, you remember in
2: 1983?
1: (laughs) When I asked you, yeah, I I still want you to do that. Remember 10 years ago when I asked you, yeah, I still want you to say yes to that. That's what surrender looks like. That's what saying, God, I, I give you everything looks like. See, we'll never be able to have a vision of surrender until we have an intimacy with the Father. How are you creating space to be with him? I, I love what N.T. Wright Wrote He said, most modern Christians imagine that the gospel is about rescuing souls from the world to go and live with him somewhere else. The Bible, however, insists that God wants to come and make his home with us. And that he has launched this project through Jesus and the Spirit. God wants to make his home with you right now in this place to live and dwell wherever you go. Wherever you live, with whoever you come in contact with. It's not about just getting to heaven. It's what does it look like to build his kingdom right here and now as we realize he's making his home with us? That's God's plan and future for us. It's crystal clear. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Go and make disciples. Teach them to obey. That's it. It, it, It's not real sexy. It's not real flashy. But this is what he's calling you and I into, the life, the rhythm that he's inviting you into. We get this picture in Matthew 28. He said, the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven on an earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you. Let's just pause there for a moment. He is with you. Can you just say that this morning? He is with me. Let's say it again, he is with me. He's with you always, no matter where you go, even to the end of the age, the end of the world, no matter how far you could travel, he is there. And his call on us is to go. As beautiful as this place is, I love it, it's not about this place. It's about you and I as the people of God who are called to go. And make disciples, to baptize, to teach them all the commands that he has given us. What did Jesus say? Come follow me. When's the last time that you looked at somebody and said, come follow me and I will teach you how to be a disciple of Jesus. That's what he's inviting you into. With the boldness and courage to say, come follow me. I love you enough that I'm gonna stand with you in your mess and your ugliness and I'm gonna love you through it. As much as I may not even like you, I love you. And I'm gonna sit with you and I'm gonna be with you no matter what. Because that is what Jesus has invited me into. Knowing that he's gonna be with me. You may say, I I don't even know what that looks like. Me either. But surrender says yes, no matter what, whenever. That's what surrender looks like. If you go out in our lobby, you'll see on the wall, this curved wall right behind us, right in the center, our five kingdom foundations. Cody has done a, a masterful job with our environmental signage. Some of you ask, why why the colors on the cross, on the sign outside? So our kingdom foundations. It's the centerpiece. I didn't even know this till this week. Is it pink, the center one? You know why the the center of the cross is pink on the sign out there? Because it represents the gospel, which is the centerpiece of our lives. Cody, thank you. Beautiful. One of those is mission. I'm going to read this over you this morning. As people who have transformed by the gospel and find our primary identity in Christ, we now join God in his kingdom mission to redeem all of creation. Missional living begins in the heart of God. It is fueled by a love for all of creation and a desire to restore what has been broken by sin. God sends his kingdom people into the world to bring the reality of God's rule and reign wherever it is not present. Therefore, as image bearers of God, the Imago day, we bring his kingdom, love, peace, justice, mercy, goodness and compassion to each and every place we go it is god's desire that we all hear the good news of his kingdom and experience new birth through the renewing work of the holy spirit through the work of the spirit we are taught to wholeheartedly follow and obey jesus and to go into all the world making disciples and proclaiming the good news of god's kingdom As the sent people of God, we rely on the spirit living within us to empower us to live on mission. We go into every corner of the world to declare the kingdom of God, make disciples, baptize people, and to teach them to walk in obedience to Christ. As a result of this missional mandate, We believe that every believer is a missionary called by God to bring the gospel to each and every place we go. As we imitate the life of Jesus and proclaim the good news of the gospel, we push back the darkness. Come on. We push back the darkness and bring in the light of God's kingdom to every neighborhood. I'm thankful for the neighborhood that we're in. It's messy. (laughs) That's why we're here. Get ready get ready we're gonna push back the darkness we're gonna go we're gonna make disciples as the people of God living out this missional mandate to go and make disciples God brings his kingdom to the earth through his people the church but what do what do you and I need to do more than anything else (laughs) we need to be with him we need to recognize his voice and trust him so this morning, we're gonna end with a spiritual practice. It's not gonna take very long. It's gonna, it's gonna take a couple minutes. But here's what we're going to do is I'm gonna read a short statement over you. It's a passage of scripture. And, and I want you just to get comfortable right where you are. You, you don't have to close your eyes. And, and in fact, did you know there's nothing biblical about closing your eyes? Like, it's just not in there. Like we do that as church people, right? I don't know why we do that. We do. But if it helps you to shut out the distractions, you can close your eyes. And and I just want you to listen to these words. I I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. And, And I'm just gonna pause and sit for a few seconds with each of these. And then I'm gonna shorten the phrase and read it again. Let's begin be still and know that I am God Be still and know that I am. Be still. be. you to stand with me this morning. Every week, we come to the table. This morning, I, I want you just, you, you've already been preparing your heart, but I want you to continue to do so. Just right now your heart say God what what does the surrender look like for me just begin to prepare your heart. picture of Jesus he's in a room with his disciples the Bible refers to it as the last supper and they're eating together sitting around the table Jesus picks up some bread says this is my body broken just for took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. What I love about those four things is that is the narrative of all of our lives. It's this beautiful picture of what God wants to do in and through you and I. I'm so grateful for that. And he rips it in two and he gives it to the disciples. And he picks up the cup, says, take this, do this in remembrance of me. At this time, I'm gonna invite our prayer and communion team down to the front to prepare the elements this morning. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. God as we think about our plans, our future God that you would just remind us of who we are in you God whose we are God and as we come down to receive your body and your blood this morning God that you would speak to us God in only the way that you can God, that you would remind us of who we are in you, whose we are. God, that you are the good shepherd. And God, you've laid down your life for us and that we can fully trust you with the whole of our lives. No matter what you may be asking us to do, God, we can trust you. as you come to receive the elements, I'm gonna ask you to go out the right side of your section. You're gonna come down and receive a slice of bread and you can take that and dip it in the juice. This represents the body and the blood of Jesus this morning and then you can come back into your section on the left side. Time of worship. But I want to invite you if there's an area of trust that you need to surrender, if there's a healing that you need this morning, or a restoration, a redemption in a relationship. I, I, I don't know. Some form of surrender. Our prayer and communion team are are going to be on on these side walls. And and I I want to invite you just to step out. Maybe this is something you haven't, maybe you've never done before. That's okay. Just trust God that he will do his work as you take those steps to have somebody to agree with you hold you by the hand, to look you in the eye, and pray over you. The Bible tells us to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking, even when it doesn't happen. This morning, for some of you, it's going to happen. Some of you, it's not. It's just the reality of how it works. I, I, I can't predict that. But I want you to step out and invite the Holy Spirit to do His work this morning. Stand with me as we go back into worship.
3: i
4: service prayer in here. Everybody is welcome. You're welcome to join us as we just pray. This morning we were interceding and contending for people in our city and our community and specifically we begin to contend and just intercede for marriages. So as I end this this morning, I'd love to do this. If you're sitting next to your spouse, would you just grab them by the hand? How many know the enemy wants to still kill, and destroy in regards to our marriages. And let me tell you, everybody walks through brokenness. Maybe this morning you just need the courage to step out and and bring somebody into that situation to help you. We wanna pray for you. If that's you, we want you to know our staff, people are here for you, we love you. Let me just speak life over you. Father, we thank you for marriages in this room. God, for what the enemy wants to destroy. God, you wanna breathe life into. God, if there's bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, that there's a that something that feels like it's just dead, that there's no future, Father, that this morning we know you bring dead things back to life and we speak life and resurrection into marriages this morning, Father. God, we won't give into the lies and the destruction of the enemy. So we pray, God, that you would do a work in our hearts. God, we thank you for relationships, Lord. That you're mending hearts, Father. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We intercede, we stand in the gap, Father, for the marriages in this church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Cody.
5: Since Jim alluded to it, I just wanted to share with my church family what this cross means. Matt and I, we collaborated and wrestled over this and I know it's spirit of power because of this, that it, it wound up in this place where the heart is represented by the gospel, the pink color. The head and the body are unified through community represented by yellow and the Trinitarian community of love that we call God. The right hand of Christ is pointing towards St. Dismas, the thief who said, remember me, and represents identity. The left hand of Christ is pointing towards the other thief, which represents mission. And the footstool of Christ is represented by red, and represents spirit empowered. And that is our mark, our brand, and why we have that on our sign. If this is your first time, just a reminder, the welcome room is at the back of the sanctuary. We'd love to meet you invite you to our dinner with the staff. And for the rest of us, let's go out in the lobby, practice community together, practice family together. And let's end as we do every week and go live it out. Wherever you are, be the gospel.